you guys, you guys, <laughs> I recorded this episode a couple days before the domestic terror attacks on the Capitol. I didn't want to just release this episode and not acknowledge that that happened within the same week that I'm releasing this and that I'm not kind of glossing over the fact that a significant moment in history where our democracy was threatened. But maybe it gives your mind a small little rest and let you listen to something that we all love to talk about, Madonna. So thank you for listening to me rant, and we will get on with the show. Happy New Year, listeners. It's so good to be back and recording some new episodes for you guys. I'd like to take a minute and tell you how much I appreciate everyone out there listening. And I know I've got some dedicated followers as well as some friends and family that are listening. So I just want to tell you how much it means to me that, you know, I, I don't really know what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm playing it by ear, figuring it out as I go. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you. My goal is to reach out to other fans and have them record this podcast with me so we can get some different insights for fans all over the world, but things don't always go as planned as 2020 has taught us anything. So I'm doing the show solo today, much like Madonna's first album, which is what I will be talking about. And I hope that's cool with you. Um, as you know, 2020 was a shit show between, you know, with COVID, racial injustice, the politics of everything that happened with the election, it was just not a great year uh, for a lot of us. So I'm definitely looking forward to 2021. Um, in 2020, you know, I had some personal things happen with my own health, with other family members' health. Um, my car broke down three days before Christmas while I was out shopping, and I had to sit and wait for a tow truck for four hours in the cold. But, you know, Life keeps giving us surprises to teach us and make us grow and learn. Uh, most significantly for me in 2020, my father passed away. And, you know, it's been kind of like an emotional time. You know, I'm still processing things, even though it happened in April during the whole COVID mess. Uh, I was named the executor, which meant I had to deal with the courts, deal with accounts. Um, and it was overwhelming and exhausting for me. And so you're probably thinking, well, why did you start a podcast? <laughs> well, you know, always trying to look for a silver lining, always trying to look for ways to, to keep myself up and keep me going. And this was one of those things that I, I wanted to get into. I wanted something to take my mind off of things. So I'm here today to talk about Madonna's first album. And like Madonna has done for her first album, and dedicated to her father, I am dedicating this episode to my father. So, without further ado, let's get started with Madonna's first album. So as you guys know the story... Madonna came to New York City with $35 in her pocket and asked the cab driver to drop her off in the middle of everywhere in Times Square. 
Um, there's probably a little bit more to this story. Um, you know, there's been reports of like, well, you know, she took a plane and, uh, it's not like she drove down. It's not like she hitchhiked her way to New York and, and struggled. And, and I believe, uh, her sister was already in New York and, and she was kind of trying to follow suit and, and wanted a, a new opportunity. Uh, she originally got a dance scholarship to university of Michigan. Um, but she dropped out and wanted to pursue other things. So she went to New York, tried to do things as a dancer. She worked with Pearl Lang Dance Theater. She also studied under Martha Graham, who reportedly has given her the Madam X moniker. Um, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, and just making her way through New York, working at Dunkin' Donuts. And um, she decided she wanted to do more. She she was more than just a dancer. She was a performer. And we know that. Like, if you see some of her earlier work, you will see how dedicated she is to opening showcases and having a dance routine and having costumes. Like, she was on it from when she first started. She had a vision, and she wanted to execute that. Um, she was performing as like a, a backup dancer and a backup singer for um, Patrick Hernandez, who was a, a French disco artist. P they brought her to Paris, and they were interested in trying to turn her into a star, but she didn't want that. She wanted to do her own thing. She didn't want to follow what everyone else was doing. And I think this is what a lot of people don't necessarily give Madonna enough credit for, is that she decided that she was going to work for what she wanted to do. She wasn't a product of a record company. She wasn't uh, a product of, of someone else trying to turn her into something else. She wanted to do whatever she wanted to do, and she was willing to step on whoever she needed to to get there. Um, so, you know, she has done some recordings with, if you guys have heard the Otto Van Warner songs, which are really terrible. Uh, and so when they decided to release this in the eighties, she recorded it like in the early eighties or late seventies. Um, I'm not a huge fan. I think she recorded three songs, but they decided to extract her vocals, put them towards the front and throw her vocals on other songs that she wasn't originally on. And Wow, what a mess. <laughs> um, she was in a couple other bands. Um, most popularly known as The Breakfast Club, as well as Emmy or Emmy and the Emmys. I think that band went through a couple of name changes. I believe it was like Iman or something like that. Like it was basically no name pronounced backwards. Um, and then they shortened it to Emmys. So I believe she started out with The Breakfast Club with Dan Gilroy. And if you haven't seen the documentary, go out and watch Madonna and The Breakfast Club, which is available on Hulu and Amazon, I believe. It's a documentary slash biopic of Madonna's role within The Breakfast Club. And it's got interviews with Dan Gilroy and other people that were in the band. And what they do is they kind of cut back and forth between the interviews as well as with some reenactments with an actress that I 
don't recall her name, but she does a great job. Of course, the way they tell the story is that Madonna just did anything and everything to disobey things that they wanted for the band and worked her way to get away from them and and go off and do her own thing, which I think in simplest terms is true. But I also think it's the start of Madonna working to where she needs to get to before she says, I'm ready to move on. And I think a lot of people do that with their careers. So it's not just Madonna doing that. I think she just took advantage of opportunities that were presented to her. And I believe after she did The Breakfast Club, that's when she went over to the Emmys. So two things. I would say if you're able to get a hold of it or find it on YouTube, there is Pre-Madonna, if you can find that in record stores. I don't believe it's on streaming, but you could probably find the, the tracks on YouTube. And Emmy and the Emmys, first time out of Manhattan. I believe there are studio recordings of the Emmys tracks. Um, which I don't think I have. I think I just have the first time out of Manhattan. But to me, that's like the first time I ever heard like Madonna in her earliest form. And I remember I went to, I believe it was a Madonna convention in 1997 and it was in Michigan. And I think it was just called Madonna-thon or, or I forget. They didn't add con to everything like they do now. And I forget the guy that organized it because he also organized the one for Prince too, which I also went to. But I would say they had everything at this Madonna convention that you ever wanted to buy. Everything that is so rare and so expensive to buy now, they had there at, of course, expensive prices, but they're probably like three to four times more expensive now. So I I'm kind of like kicking myself for not indulging and in, in getting the things that I wanted. But I was also like really young and I didn't have a lot of money. I basically drove up in a snowstorm just to get there. But interestingly enough, there was a a record convention next door to it. So it's just basically an open hall of, of tables filled with vinyl and CDs and stuff. And that's where I found Emmy's first time out of Manhattan. And when I listened to it, I think... If you're just used to listening to what Madonna sounded like in the 80s and things like that, this might not appeal to you. However, I would say that I actually love this version of Madonna because it kind of generated my interest into listening to music that sounds like that in current times. And I remember listening to First Time Out of the Manhattan. And when I listen to like a CD or an album, I will listen to that album on repeat. Like I won't change it. It's not like when it's over, it's done. It's like, oh, it got to the last track. Oh, let's just start it again. And I would listen to it over and over. And I think that's kind of what generated my interest into listening to alternative music at the time um, in the early 2000s is I was kind of bored of of hearing what was on the radio and I just wanted to hear something different. And I was trying to expand my horizons and, and listen to like Blondie and the Beatles. And, and I think, uh, listening to the Emmys kind of generated my interest in to my love for alternative music.
there was that release, as well as, I believe it was in, um, or in 1996, there was an album called Prima Donna. And the only way to get this album at the time was you had to call this 1-800-HARMONY number. And I don't even remember what it was for, but it was like for the same people that, that searched for like criminals or missing kids or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, um, but for some reason they were producing records. Um, and you had to call this number. And I believe you had to speak with someone and you had to give them a credit card number over the phone and then they would ship you the CD. And the Prima Donna, and I think it was then uh, repackaged and rebranded as in the beginning and there's a statue of like, uh, it was either like a Madonna statue or like an angel with wings or something. It was like yellowish, but I prefer the original one that just says Prima Donna because it's just like um, the the album cover is really just some like abstract pictures taken from different places in New York and using one of those label makers that were really popular in the eighties. And it just says pre Madonna. And I thought it was like the perfect name for it. Madonna did not authorize this. This was um, Stephen Bray putting out this. And I believe Madonna urged Stephen not to put this out, but against her guidance he went and put it out anyway, which I think has completely broken ties with working with Madonna ever again, which is possibly why we haven't heard Madonna work with Stephen Bray ever since, um, ever since the Like a Prayer album. But this also has some really great tracks on there, and this kind of is a continuation of, of what I heard from, you know, first time out of Manhattan, but... There is a song on there called Laugh to Keep From Crying. It's a very Chrissy Hines inspired. of everybody and ain't no big deal in there the track quality was not that great so Stephen Bray went and recreated a lot of this the music behind it um, and I think it gives it a very interesting feel for it um, there's a song on there called Crimes of Passion and if you hear it it has a very 90s slash but still 80s sound to it to it 
And there's also like a very early version of Burning Up, which I just love. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, if you can get a hold of this album or listen to it on YouTube, it's really great. But there's also uh, two songs in there called Stay and Don't You Know. And those two songs, when they were, they were actually combined to create the song Stay that we know from like a Virgin album. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to hear an early version of Stay. And it's like an early, early version of the song. from each of those tracks and created this the version that we all know on like a virgin and then also around during this time and i don't know the exact timeline i'm sure someone can correct me but you know i read the biography i watched innocence lost oh my god go out and watch innocence lost on youtube i believe it's out there you will get a great laugh because it's this woman she kind of looks like madonna um, but it's not. It's an unauthorized biopic that was on Fox TV. I'm watching it. I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to get this this cool Madonna movie. It's kind of laughable, but endearing at the same time. The woman that plays her, I forget her name, Terry something, um, is another actress, just like Madonna in The Breakfast Club, who looks eerily similar to Madonna in her early years. Um, but this woman in Innocence Loss is not a great actress. Um, not only did she play Madonna once in a movie, but she got to play Madonna twice in another movie that was based on Dennis Rodman's biography when he um, documented their affair. But what's really interesting is the music that's used in there. And it's Madonna's pre-fame, right? So the music that you hear is like songs that you might hear on like a virgin and even the first album, but they didn't, it's not authorized. So they create brand new songs. So there's a song called like Heaven where it goes, ooh, I'm in heaven, something, something to that effect. But it's, it sounds like Angel. But Angel was on like a virgin, so it, it's not a song she would have sang like in her pre-club days. Anyway, um, this actually details uh, the work that she did with Stephen Bray and The Breakfast Club and the manager that she worked with at the time, Camille Barbone. And so Camille Barbone wanted to produce and make Madonna a star. And I believe she was like an A&R person for some of the, the bigger... Um, 
music labels at the time. Before that, and she was starting her own label. And Camille's office was in the same space that Madonna rehearsed in, like in the same building. But Madonna was like squatting in there because she didn't have a place to live. And Camille Barbone saw something in Madonna. She knew that she was going to be a star and went to go see her perform one night and signed her on the spot. So Camille like hooked her up with, you know, session musicians from popular artists like David Bowie's bass player and and I believe like Suzanne Vega's guitar player. And they just, she hooked her up with people in the industry. And then of course Madonna was like, uh, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Because I believe Camille wanted to make her more of like a, a Pat Benatar at the time. Pat Benatar, another favorite of mine. And Madonna didn't want that. So Madonna's like, no, I'm, I'm, this is not what I want to do. I want to continue. She wants to do her own thing. So she worked really hard and her dreams came true, honestly, you know, and no one argues the fact that Madonna is hardworking. No one in these early years, they never argued that she was one of the best performers that they've ever seen competing with the likes of people like Blondie and other nightclub acts. But Madonna stood on her own. She knows that she wanted something different. So she went on and she was able to get her way and make her way. Madonna was destined for better things. And she started getting the help to to make these, these solo records for herself got a DJ to play her song on the dance floor, which was everybody. And that DJ, and who was also a record producer, Mark Kamins, helped introduce her to Seymour Stein in the hospital while he was like having his appendix out or something like that, and signed her in the hospital to Sire Records. So now we get into what is known as Madonna's first album, which is self-titled. And the album cover, shot by Gary Heary, is amazing. And it's like the perfect shot. Um, Her hair is all tousled. It's an incredible cover. Um, The album is incredible, and I'm going to go track by track. When it was kind of re-released under a different name called The First Album, it uses different photography and it's color photography. And so, you know, if you can get a hold of that, that one, I actually like the way that one looks too, but of course it's not the iconic cover that we all know. And you know, there's actually another album cover uh, when the album was going to be called Lucky Star. And Madonna has brown hair. And if you've ever seen it, you can probably look it up and I'll post some stuff to Instagram too. So you guys can see, um, but it looks very disco-y. So it reminds me of when I would go into my parents' record collection and look at kind of what the album covers were. It kind of just reminds me of those disco records because, you know, Madonna was, this music is dance music which people kind of just called disco at the time, but it's not. Madonna was a little bit more street and um, representative of kind of like New York. And again, she wasn't a fabrication of a record company. 
and she probably saw it and said, I don't like this. And that took years before that cover even saw the light of day. I think it's only been within the past like 10 to 15 years that um, anyone has ever seen that. But it's a very interesting cover, and it would have been, I think, a very different uh, output if that was released as the original album cover. I feel like the one that we know, the black and white with the rubber bracelets and the chains around her neck and everything, I think that's very representative of what this record is. So uh, Reggie Lucas is who produced a majority of these tracks. Um, However, Madonna was not entirely happy with his direction uh, for producing. So she was dating Jellybean Benitez at the time and um, asked him to help finish producing it and remix a couple of the tracks or or redo some of the um, production for it. Again, Madonna is controlling what she wants the output to be. She's not letting someone else do it for her. She's influencing what she wants and getting what she needs out of it so that her listeners can get what she has desired for us. The, the first couple songs that were recorded was Everybody and Ain't No Big Deal. And I believe she also recorded a track uh, for Jelly Bean called Sidewalk Talk. But when the album came out, Ain't No Big Deal is not on it. it later shows up as a B-side to dress you up in Japan and then on Papa Don't Preach, which later came out, which is kind of a weird choice for a B-side for that. Um, but the first single that was released was Everybody. And the single cover was um, kind of different because it doesn't have her image on it. It's just kind of like the street scene um, with a fire hydrant going. And she has a video for it, which was recorded at Danceteria. However, that video was never aired on MTV, like ever. I've never seen that video aired on MTV except for once when they did a Madonna-thon like in the late 90s, but then they didn't even show all of it. They would just show like pieces of it with like her being interviewed over it. Um, It's never shown up on a video compilation. There's been um, like a Virgin uh, video collection that came out, which had all our videos up until that point, which is not on there. It's not on the Immaculate Collection. Of course, that song was not on the Immaculate Collection either. And it doesn't show up on Celebration. So, where is this video? It's on YouTube. You can find it. Uh, But it is kind of odd that it was never... And I guess she was just never happy with it, I assume. When I first heard Everybody, it was not from the first album. Because again, I became a fan in 89. So, what I was listening to is... The like prayer album when she performed Express Yourself on the 1989 Video Music Awards. The intro to that had the dance and sing, get up and do your thing, which is where I first heard pieces of everybody. And of course, later when I discovered the first album, it's her first single, and it was great in the clubs. And there's uh, a 12-inch remix of it, a dub of it, um, 
and the only place I've seen like an edit of it, and this will be the only time you ever hear me say this, is on Celebration, where I believe that the the way that it was um, edited is good. The quality is still shit. I won't back down on that. But I like that they created kind of like a, I think it's like a four minute version versus kind of like the really long version. Um, it's a little bit more uh, consumable for a general audience. And I thought that was great. The only time you'll ever hear me say Celebration <laughs> had any kind of redeeming qualities to it. The next single was Burning Up, which has become a fan favorite uh, after she started to play it in the Reinvention Tour. So I think prior to that, um, I don't call. like I, I would be part of a lot of message boards and everything like that, but I don't remember anyone really saying like, oh yeah, Burning Up is like this really cool song and I like it. I've always loved it because I loved that it was kind of like rock. Um, and she has continued to play it on the Rebel Heart Tour. Um, and I just love the song. Now this had a video, and to me this is like where she looks the most hot. No pun intended. Or was it? Um, but you know, like she kind of, her hair looks greasy, she kind of looks like she's sweating a lot of the time, and, um, the director of the video just kind of like did some weird things with neon slash lasers. And, and I remember, um, on pop-up video, uh, the director was, was talking about, uh, doing the shot where she's laying in the, the rowboat and the camera's like directly above her. I believe he said the camera ended up falling or, or something happened. They had to build this contraption to hold the camera because the camera was so heavy at the time. And I think the camera ended up falling, or maybe it didn't fall, but it was like on the verge of falling. And that could have been the end of Madonna if it had fallen and hit her. Um, or it fell at a different time when they were trying to do the empty shot. Um, we see Madonna driving in a car. And we also see her in the middle of the road dancing around <laughs> and she looks great. Cause I love, I love kind of like the new growth that's in her hair. It's very blondie esque the way she looks. And, uh, it's a really fun video. And there's also like an alternative, uh, version of the song. Um, if you ever heard like the 12 inch or anything like that, she does some different harmonies. side to that which is also on the album is physical attraction and it's probably one of my favorite songs on the record she's never performed it live uh for a tour aside from when she started promoting this album so there's this show that she performed in boston and you know she's singing live and she goes into like this different harmony of the song so she's singing it a little bit differently she's singing the harmony of the song not the kind of melody of the song and it just sounds great because she's just going with the flow and singing what she wants and she's feeling it
you know, I don't know if it was necessarily her strongest vocals at the time, but I'm like, that's what's great about Madonna is because it's not so much about her being the greatest singer or her even being the greatest dancer. It's her like engaging with the audience and her just kind of like feeling it and you getting that energy. And that's what's incredible about this performance. So I recommend going out and watching that as well. And then the next single that was released was Holiday. And as we all know, Holiday is Madonna's signature song. She has performed it at almost every single tour, um, usually closing out the show, uh, or at least towards the end. I believe in the Virgin Tour it was performed fairly early, but most tours after that it comes towards the end. Because it's kind of like a send-off. It's, it's keeping people in that good mood as they kind of leave the venue. And the last time we heard it performed live was at the Rebel Heart Tour. So she didn't do it on Madamax, um, and she didn't do it for Confessions, because she did Lucky Star instead. We'll get to that. Um, and I would say my probably my favorite version of Holiday will be the Blonde Ambition Tour version. Um, I know, it sounds kind of basic, but it's a really great performance. It's right before she does the encore. Uh, she's wearing this great polka dot bell-bottom outfit. Looks incredible. Um, and of course, I, I love the girly show version as well because it's a little bit different. But there was no video for Holiday. So there's rumors that it was recorded um, and that it took place like on a beach or something like that. But she lost her boy toy belt, so she was upset, so she stopped the filming of the video. I don't know how much truth there is to that. Or if I'm mixing it up with a, another story for another video. But um, there's been performances that she's done either internationally uh, where that's kind of been used as the standard video where they might show it in that country as the video for that song. I think there's one where there's like this old man in a rocking chair or something behind her. But it's really weird and cool at the same time. The next single is Lucky Star. So Lucky Star, if you've ever seen the video, it has the great intro um, where she, it kind of looks similar to the album cover, but it's not. But it's her kind of like pulling down the sunglasses. And at the end of the video, she pushes them back up. Really silly. Um, and she does this weird wink, which is really cool. But this video is quintessential 80s. Um, and if you see, I, I believe other people tried to mimic it. Um, Taylor Dane, I think with Tell It To My Heart, did something very similar. Where it was just got this white background with two different dancers in, in the back. Um, no offense to Taylor Dane, but because I love Taylor Dane. But <laughs> it was very uh, Madonna, Lucky Star. It really kind of is the foundation for the album, I think, is opening it with Lucky Star and closing it with everybody because um, they're probably like the two strongest tracks dance. They're probably the two strongest dance tracks on there and they bookend the album. 
And then the last single that was released was Borderline. And this was the song that became pop so popular um, that it prevented her from starting to promote and do things for the Like a Virgin album. Because this had been getting so much airplay on both the radio and MTV. And this video is probably one of my favorites. It's a Mary Lambert video, which if we know Mary Lambert, she did a lot of Madonna videos in the 80s, like a prayer, uh, borderline, like a virgin. And this video, I think, helped us understand who Madonna was. It is very um, representative of who Madonna is in the early 80s. She's... Uh, a young woman who's in New York City, um, kind of walking around on the street. So this was kind of like the vision of this street sound for her. Even though the song is very, a little bit, not a street, but it's a, it's a great juxtaposition, as Madonna would say, where it kind of blends kind of like, I'm singing my heart out to you, but I'm also going to show you some stuff like in, in the New York scenery. And I think it's a very great representation of of Madonna. So just to touch on a couple of the other tracks that I didn't talk about, um, there's Think of Me, which is another favorite of mine. Think of Me to me is a little bit of like physical attraction. It's similar to physical attraction in a way. Um, again, it's just like a, it's a great track. And I Know It, which is probably my least favorite track. Um, but it's, that's, very, that's a very 80s sounding song. Probably not one of my favorite. I probably would have preferred Ain't No Big Deal instead of that. But who knows? If Ain't No Big Deal was on here and I know it was a B-side, I'd probably say, oh, I love I Know It better. Uh, but there you have it. You know, this album only has eight songs on it. But you know, out of those eight songs, five of them were big hits. And five of them... She has performed on tour in one version of another. So that's more than half of the album that she has performed live. This is the foundation of building Madonna's music career. And I would say it's quintessential if you're if you're just learning about Madonna or you know someone that wants to get into Madonna. I'd always say, yes, start with the Immaculate Collection. But go back to this album. This album is an important piece of her career. It's one of my favorites. It's probably in my top five of all Madonna albums. And I don't know, probably top 10 of any album, period, that I enjoy. And the remixes. Um, so in the early 80s, remixes were not kind of like, they're not what we know of today. So in the 80s, it was just more of like an extended version of the song. It wasn't kind of reproduced or, or remixed as we know it today, but um, they're just like longer versions of the song. And sometimes they can be fun. So there you have it. That is Madonna, the first album. I did a little bit solo. I hope my voice wasn't too boring. I hope I was able to make it interesting or provide a little bit of a history lesson. The next episode will be for Like a Virgin. I have already recorded it with my new friend and also Madonna fan, River. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys. So take care and talk to you then. Bye.
So, after recording this episode by myself, um, I don't like it. Uh, I, I really want to hear from you guys, and I want to have a chance to talk with other fans about Madonna. So, I plan on doing every album, every tour. I'll be doing a movies episode, uh, possibly a remixes episode, a collectors episode, and I really just want to connect with other fans and do this episode with them. So if you're interested, please DM me, send me a message, and I will be happy to set up a time where we can chat and talk about our love of Madonna. 